Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of E.W. Jackson for America. Great to be with you again today. Uh, unfortunately, we start this morning off with a rather tragic event that happened right where I live. I mean, this is amazing, folks. You know, you think of these uh, mass shooter situations and the crime and the violence and you know, it's happening all over the country. It's, a, it's an epidemic proportions, no matter what <clears throat> Eric Adams or uh, this Governor Hochul of New York might say. It's a matter of perception. No, it's real. The epidemic is real. My wife and I lived in the city of Chesapeake for 20 years. Yeah, I said 20 years. Let me just see if I got my math right. Yeah, 20 years. And... Our church is in Chesapeake, Virginia, and the Walmart, which is maybe about four or five miles from where we used to live, and maybe four or five, maybe six or seven miles from our church, maybe, but not far, uh, was, of course, hit last night about 10 p.m. by a mass shooter who, as it turns out, now, here again, we have to always be a little cautious because as these stories unfold, facts as we think them to be change, but based on what we know right now, so I say it with that proviso, a manager at the Walmart decided to go off, kill six people, killed himself. My understanding is it started in the uh, break room uh, about 10 p.m., I guess an hour before, I think they, they're closing at 11 nowadays, but, but you know, it wasn't long before some transition might have been closing for the night shift or something. We don't know any facts about him. Uh, in fact, I haven't seen any news as yet as to who this guy is. Maybe it's already broken since I started getting ready to come, and come into the studio to do this. But uh, it, it, to have this happen the day before, well, two days before Thanksgiving, really kind of is a metaphor, isn't it, for the fact that the, the traditions and the, the institutions of our culture are being hijacked by a kind of lawlessness and anarchy and, uh, and just chaos just seems to be taking over. So right now, I'm not sure that I know anybody who was affected by this directly. They haven't released the names of the six people who were murdered. So I don't know that I know anybody directly, but I can tell you that that I have been in that Walmart many, many times, many times. I can't even begin to count, but many times, uh, a lot less since I moved out of Chesapeake. I no longer live in Chesapeake, but our church is still in Chesapeake. We have many church Chesapeake members who use that Walmart all the time. In fact, uh, one of my members said, uh, this morning that um, her daughter and son-in-law were planning to go there last night and change their minds. So this is very, very close to home for me, folks. Very close to home. But let me say this. And of course, we pray for those families. Oh, I can't imagine the families of those people who've been murdered. The family of the guy who committed the murder-suicide his, his family must be thinking, who is this guy? And you, you, you wonder, did, they, did people know that he was on the edge that way? Did they know that 
maybe he was suffering from some kind of mental illness or had some kind of mental breakdown. Those people went to work last night thinking, or yesterday, whenever they arrived at work, thinking all is well, business as usual, not knowing that their lives would only have a few moments left on this earth, not knowing that. And it's, it's a horrible thing. Um, so we pray for those families uh, that have been affected by this. We pray for all those Walmart employees in that local Walmart, but also the Walmart employees across this country who must be thinking a manager goes off and kills a bunch of Walmart employees. I mean, this kind of thing just undermines a sense of trust and stability and and, and normality. It just disrupts everything. So we, we pray for all those folks who have to work in that environment. I don't know what they'll do with this Walmart store. I have a feeling they'll probably close it down. Uh, there are about, I think, three Walmarts in Chesapeake, Virginia. So people do have alternatives if they want to go. Yeah, they do have alternatives if they want to go to Walmart. Uh, but uh, that store is probably going to be closed for the day. And those employees are probably going to be reluctant to come back. Some of them are probably going to be afraid to come back. Some of them have probably been traumatized who were there when the event took place because there are some people who were injured. So that means they must have been in the break room or near the break room when the shooting broke out and they got injured, but they didn't get killed. What, what are those people's lives going to be like from this point on? This is the kind of thing that people never get over. And normally, they never get over. The other thing, I've, I've already heard some criticism of police officers. They say they were, they, it took them 40 minutes to get there. I can't believe that because I can tell you, knowing Chesapeake very well, uh, Chesapeake headquarters is not three miles, Chesapeake Police headquarters is not three miles from that store. And uh, there are, there are uh, local kind of district offices scattered around the city as well. And there's one that's not a mile from that store. I know it very well because I know the building. I know the building used to be something else and the police station took it over. And so it's right there within, within a mile. And literally probably driving two minutes probably from the Walmart. So I just, I can't believe that. I don't know what's going on there with that reporting. But I tell you what, I do know some of the police officers in Chesapeake. They're some of the finest people I've ever met. And our Martin Luther King breakfast, which takes place on January 16th, will include, all has always included, since 911 has always included our first responders as, among our honorees because we really believe that we have to honor these people for what they do day by day, not wait until some horrible tragedy where they're killed, uh, like what happened in 911, where in 9/11, where you know, uh, literally, I think 77 police officers were killed, over 300 firefighters killed, and then oh yeah, we want to honor them then. But they do a dangerous job every single day. So the other thing I was thinking about, since no no police officers were killed or anything like that, but my wife and I were talking about this earlier. You know, police officers have to see things that you and I never have to see. Things that I have to believe are so, so traumatizing 
so indelibly inscribed on one's psyche. And I've heard some police officers say, some things you see, you never get over. They're just that horrific. So imagine walking into one of these scenes where you've got seven people dead and a bunch of people injured and shot. Imagine walking into that and having to be there to clean that up and, and to, to do what needs to be done to try to restore some sense of normalcy. That's why I have nothing but admiration and honor for police officers and the difficult job that they do. And these people who run around the country talking about dismantle the police, defund the police, and all this craziness. These, pe these people need, need to take a pill for the, whatever that illness is that they have. Because Lord knows, without these police officers, I don't know what we would do. I really don't. Well, I, I, I kind of do know. We're seeing it. Wild, wild west. That's what we'd have. Chaos. Because even the reduction in police forces around the country has caused an epidemic of crime to break out. So God bless those police officers. They've got a big job ahead of them trying to sort through this and trying to figure out who this guy is, what's wrong with him, what precipitated this act, and so forth. Now, I want to add a word in light of Thanksgiving to help us put this in perspective. Now, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 112. And Psalm 112 begins, praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments, or who delights greatly in God's word. But this is the verse that I, I, I always comes back to me at moments like this. It's verses six through eight. It says, surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. This is a man of stability, a man who delights himself in the word of God, in the law of the Lord, in the commandments of God is a man of great stability. Surely he will never be shaken. That means nothing will deteriorate him. Nothing will diminish him. In other words, nothing will cause him to collapse or to break down. He will never be shaken. This is a bad thing that just happened in Chesapeake. But as Christians, we should not be shaken in the biblical sense. Not shaken means we're not thrown off course. Uh, we're, 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 not, we're, not, we're not made to backslide. It, it implies all of that. He will never be shaken. And then the seventh verse says, he will not be afraid of evil tidings. In other words, he does not shriek back in fear when bad news comes. He does not allow himself to be overcome by fear when bad news comes. He will not be afraid of evil tidings, and here's why. 
His heart is steadfast. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. In other words, here's what this is saying. Because his heart is rooted and grounded in that which is unmovable, Almighty God. When bad things happen, he cannot be moved because he is not tethered to the circumstances, the situations, the vagaries of this life. He is tethered to the unshakable, unmovable reality of the true and the living God. So he is not shaken. He is not afraid of evil tidings because his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. See, that's where his trust is. It's like that man Jesus talked about in the parable who built his house on a rock versus the man who built his house on the sand. The man who built his house on the rock, who dug deep and found the rock and built his house on the rock, when the floods came and the winds blew and the rain beat, the house didn't fall because it's founded on the rock. Now notice something. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. You know what that means? Evil tidings are coming. Evil tidings are coming. But he's not afraid of it because his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. The rain is going to fall. The wind is going to blow. The earth is going to shake. The, the floods are going to come but his house doesn't fall. The same thing that happens to the man whose house is built on the sand happens to the man whose house is built on the rock. The difference is the foundation that allows the man whose house is built on the rock to withstand all of that and the lack of foundation for the man whose house is built on the sand who cannot withstand any of it. His house falls. His house is shaken. But the man whose house is built on the rock, his house is steadfast. His heart is established. Now that word established means his heart has taken hold. See again, just like that word steadfast, his heart is two different words, but one that, that word steadfast means it's unmovable. It doesn't shake. It doesn't move. It, it's, it's, it's sure. It's rooted. It's grounded. It's stable. But this word established means it's taken hold. In other words, it's wrapped itself around that which is unmovable. It's laid hold of the truth of God's word and doesn't let go no matter what. It implies, it's the, the Greek word samok, it implies leaning on, relying on, uh, 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 upheld by, um, and, and you know, sustained by. It's, it, it's, it's like grabbing hold of something and just, that's it, you're locked in. It reminds me of that song, it says, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in God's Holy Spirit. That's what this is getting at. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Now, here's what that's saying. He will not be afraid ever 
because the end result is going to be victory over his enemies. And by the way, that word enemies doesn't just imply people. Victory over everything that comes against him. The bad news, the evil tidings, all the junk that people do, that people say, this the horrible thing that just happened at the Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia. If your heart is established, you're not afraid because you know that that evil is ultimately defeated. The man who committed that act committed suicide. He's in hell right now. There's no other way you can, you can fix that. He's in hell right now. See, he, he made himself the enemy of God and now he is reaping the just rewards for what he has done. See, so I'm, I'm not afraid of him and I'm not afraid of any evildoer. The Bible says they'll soon be cut off. So we have every reason to be thankful to Almighty God because, in fact, if you, you'll see posted on my website and if you're on my email list, uh, you'll get a letter from me for Thanksgiving. If you're not on my email list, go to standamerica.us and sign up for it so that we can communicate with you and uh, keep you abreast of what we're doing. But I say in my Thanksgiving uh, letter, I mentioned this event and say, but yet we are grateful. Why? And then I give a list of reasons. Here's why we're grateful. Here's why we celebrate Thanksgiving. And it all comes back ultimately to this. It all comes back to our faith in Almighty God. We're not alone. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We're victorious. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Jesus said he's already overcome the world. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We are more than conquerors because he loves us. This is why we, we can be thankful. I am no less thankful now than I was before I heard this news about what happened at Walmart. Because I know that God is good. And by the way, you know, one of my prayers in this, you know, Jesus predicted these times, and it's going to get worse, by the way. I pray it won't get worse for our country, but it's going to get worse in the world. He said, iniquity would abound, the love of many would grow cold. He said, and people, by the way, would be unthankful. See, because things get bad and people just get bitter. This is one of the reasons why I often express such disdain for people who are doing so well in America and complain so bitterly. I mean, LeBron James and Oprah Winfrey whining and crying and complaining about the, being victims of racism. I mean, it's preposterous. No gratitude, no thankfulness. Thank you, God, for allowing me to be born in a country where my skills and abilities have allowed me to make more money than I will ever need. And I can be such a blessing to so many other people. Oh, thank you so much, oh God. No, 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 no. No, they're bitter. They're angry. They're, they're victims. I mean, it's just, it's just utterly ludicrous. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, it says, but know this, 
that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unthankful, ungrateful, no gratitude to God for all the blessings he's bestowed upon us. And then, of course, it goes on to say unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such, such people turn away. See, that's why I don't have anything to do with this Black Lives Matter stuff and, and, and all this whining and complaining about how bad these people have it. And, and particularly these sports stars, these celebrities who are making more money than most Americans will ever see, who are, have fame and have influence, and they're whining and complaining about how bad it is. They are the fulfillment of the scripture. See, they're lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. They're lovers of money. They're boasters, proud blasphemers. They're unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving slanderous, without self-control. I mean, you see it. Despisers of good. Well, we ought to be thanking God every day of our lives. You know, there are a lot of people who have a lot more than I have materially, but there's nobody who has a lot more than I have spiritually because I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I am blessed and highly favored by Almighty God. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Nobody, nobody's got more than I've got spiritually. And if you're a child of God, you can say the same thing. You know, that old song says, why should I feel discouraged and why should the shadows fall? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching me. I'm grateful. God is good all the time. <laughs> and so as we prepare to celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow, I mean, in spite of all the junk that is going on around you, just remember God is good. God is good. We have a God who is so big, so great, so good. And there's a little bitty idiot of a devil running around doing what he can to steal, to kill and to destroy but we will, see our, we will see our desire upon this enemy. He is, he is a defeated foe. He is on his way to eternal damnation, never to rise and trouble us again. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. You know, another song says, what he's done for me, what he's done for me. I can't forget what the good Lord has done for me. I once was blind, but now I see. Praise God for what he's done for me. We should be grateful. We should be thankful 
no matter what. Our hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. We are not afraid of evil tidings. We are not shaken. Well, we pray for those families that have been devastated by the horrible thing that happened in, in the Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia last night. We pray for them. We pray for those Walmart employees who are obviously shaken by what's, what's going on. But we as Christians, we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are never shaken, not in the biblical sense. In other words, nothing's going to cause us to back off our faith in God. Nothing's going to cause us to, to, to backslide. Nothing's going to cause us to turn our backs on God. Nothing's going to cause us to question God. Our hearts are steadfast trusting in the Lord. Let me say one more thing before I have to go. I am uh, I'm godly irritated, let's put it that way, by people who when these things happen like to say, well, you know, God allowed it. Or even goes, well, God allowed it for some reason. I urge you, fellow Christian, don't ever let those words come out of your mouth when there's some tragedy because those words are blasphemous. They are not true. Because those words imply some sort of active permission by God in doing evil. And the Bible says God cannot be tempted, neither does he tempt anyone. And the Bible says, I believe it's in, in uh, Psalm 92, there is no unrighteousness in him. So it's not that God is allowing things. Here's what God allowed from the beginning of his creation. Human freedom. Human freedom. And when Adam and Eve, because they were free, decided that they were going to sin against God and do what God told them not to do, there was the beginning of the consequences of rebelling against God. But it wasn't God causing the consequences. It was Adam causing the consequences and Eve causing the consequences. I, please don't use that. It's just because it's, it's disrespectful and dishonoring God. You know, it's like saying we have laws right now. Okay. We have federal laws. We have state laws against theft, against fraud, and so forth. Now, if a person goes out and violates those laws, like, like maybe this guy with this cryptocurrency has just done, but if a person goes out, I don't know that, but we'll, we'll see. But if a person goes out and violates those laws, do we say, well, you know, the government permitted it. There must have been a reason. No, the government didn't permit it. Because the law says don't do it. But people are free to break the law. And then they have to suffer the consequences of having done so. Right? We don't arrest people because we think they might be intending to break the law. You have to break the law in order to suffer the consequences. God has made mankind free. And either one of you, look, and I, I'm not a bit more going to do anything like this than the man in the moon, but I could, could take a firearm right now and go to the nearest gas station and rob it. And I'm a child of God and God wouldn't stop me. Now, would he tell me don't do it? Would he try to convict me not to do it? He certainly would. And if I did it, some idiot comes along and says, well, you know, God must have permitted that for a reason. God didn't permit anything. He said, don't. And then people go off and do what they want to do. 
So, look, it's not God's fault. God is the one who turns curses into blessings. God is the one who brings healing out of horror. God is the one who steps in and takes a mess and turns it into a ministry. God is the one who takes a, a, an apparent tragedy and turns it into a triumph. That's, that's God's business. That's what God is doing. God is not permitting the evil. But he made mankind free. And people abuse that freedom and do the very thing God has commanded us not to do. So, thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your tender, loving kindness toward me. Thank you for every good thing in my life because every good and perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights in whom is no variation or shadow of turning. Thank you, Lord. Listen, as you celebrate Thanksgiving, just remember there's so much to be thankful for. Don't let the circumstances of life and the things that are surrounding you and the problems that you have, either personally or that you see happening to the country or to your community or to your family or whatever, don't let any of those things stop you from thanking God for every good thing in your life. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That's why I'm so hopeful about America. That's why I'm hopeful about anything, everything, because I know in whom I have believed. So God bless each and every one of you. I will not be on live tomorrow, but there'll be a bus best of tomorrow and Friday. In the meantime, I encourage you again. But by the way, pray for Herschel Walker. Pray for the outcome on December 6th that I'm believing God for, for that godly man to be sent to the United States Senate. And pray for our country at this time of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is now, a, I think, it's 401 years since the first Thanksgiving was celebrated. 401 years. We weren't a country then. We became a country, of course, in 1776, and the Constitution was ratified in 1787, and George Washington issued the first, it was passed in 1787, ratified in 1789, and George Washington issued the first Thanksgiving pro uh, proclamation, I believe it was October 30th of 1789, and here we are, 401 years after the first Thanksgiving celebration, still thanking God. That's why I love this country so much, because we are at root a godly nation, and that's been the key to our success and prosperity. All right, you stand up, you step up, you speak up, you refuse to back up, because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit, because we are on God's side.